Previously on Booze and Buffy. <laughs> One girl is like stretching into a lunge and the camera is like from between her legs. I, I was just like, wow. <laughs> okay. A man directed this. Yeah. <laughs> Who shows up to their audition with, with a fog, a fog machine? machine. <laughs> you know, it's a great way not to make the team <laughs> spontaneously combust at your audition. Harrison, how does your audition go? <gasps> it was pretty good. I was flaming. <laughs> Their cheer is pathetic. Yeah. But I guess if you've got third alternate Amy on the team, you got to make it simple. <laughs> Hello, I'm Harrison, and I'm here with Tyler. Welcome to Booze and Buffy. Ooh, Booze and Buffy. That's what we are. Mm. <laughs> here we are just watching and discussing each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. No spoilers, because this show is new to me, and it's a lot to process. <laughs> Uh, and I've seen the show so many times that one time when I was 19, I used this episode to try to hook up with a guy I had a crush on. Ooh, that's... We'll get into that right. later. It didn't work. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Um, so what episode are we watching today? <laughs> we are watching episode, season one, episode four, Teacher's Pet. And so Teacher's Pet was written by David Greenwald and directed by Bruce Seth Green. Not to be confused with Seth Green. No relation. But, like, if it was, I, I wouldn't be against that. Hmm. Uh, so this episode originally aired on March 24th, 1997. We're getting further away from Tyler's birthday and closer to mine. I would have been, like, five years old in two weeks. Aw, so adorable, I bet. But not as like, adorable as me. I was so cute. I would have been, like, one semester into my kindergarten year. I don't think kindergarten is measured in semesters, buddy. I, you, we got report cards. <laughs> really? I think so, but they didn't have, like, A, B, C, D, E, F. It was, it was like, just like, your it kid was like can take a nap. satisfactory, one, two, three, four, LMNLP. I miss kindergarten. No one had any expectations of you. Uh, my kindergarten teacher played piano. My kindergarten teacher's name was Mr. Nix. He was also my first grade teacher. And I went to his wedding, which as an adult, I'm like, hmm, that's weird. But our class pet was also a tarantula. And I don't remember the tarantula's name. That explains a lot about you already. I loved him. The like tarantula or the teacher? You know... I don't remember specifically, but I wouldn't be shocked if I had a crush on him. Even, like, even if I didn't know that I had a crush on him, I was, I bet I was like, mm, Mr. Nix is hot. Except I was probably like, I like Mr. Nix. He teaches me how to read. Except I already knew how to read when I was in kindergarten. Hashtag genius. <laughs> but I, our tarant pet tarantula was really badass. What was his name? I don't remember. Oh, see, what you know what I remember about tarantulas from kindergarten? <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Uh, we went to the library on, like, the weekends for, like, some summer enrichment thing. And then, like, some week, one of the, like, local wildlife people brought in, like, some animals for us to see. It was, like, a, like a nature center or a library or something. I don't know. But each... We had to introduce ourselves every week with, like... And Tyler, and then like an alliteration on that. 
So you were like, I'm Tyler and I'm a tarantula? That was one of my, like, more prouder moments. <laughs> because there are not a whole lot of animals with tea. And so one week was tarantula. And I remember being pretty proud of that. Because other people were like, say tiger. And I was like, bitch, I already said tiger two weeks ago. <laughs> tiger was the first one. I'm going to come up with another one this week. And then the next week was Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I figured nice. you'd like that. I one. love that. Yeah. I was about to be like, oh, Tyler and Pterodactyl, but that starts with a P. But it sounds alliterative. And I guess alliteration really is all about sound and not necessarily... Alliterative the... sounds like a word that Buffy would use in the last episode because it's like way beyond a 16-year-old vocabulary. I don't think alliterative is beyond a 16-year-old's vocabulary. I mean, maybe she reads a lot. That hasn't been exposed. I would I would argue, based on what we know about Buffy, that she does not read a lot. So why <laughs> is her vocabulary so big? Because alliterative... Well, she's clever. Okay. She To this episode, she's like, I'm going to do my homework. For the I'll first time you. ever. All right. Well, let's crack into it. Yeah. Intro music. and Buffy what will we see Buffy what will we drink bourbon wine what will we think Harrison seen it all fuck yeah and Tyler hasn't what vocab words will we learn that again what vocab words will we learn that again what is on the gay agenda for today outfits what is on the gay agenda for today angel it's Booze and Buffy. Uh, Tyler, tell me what you're drinking. I am drinking a Manhattan. Who made that Manhattan? Your husband, John, and it has like a muddled cherry and it's pretty exquisite. It's a good Manhattan. I had one at a Marketplace restaurant, is that what it's called? Down on 4th Street? Oh yeah, yeah, Marketplace. Yeah, I went there last night after the Pink Floyd show and I got a Manhattan and the bartender was really overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by making a Manhattan? Yes, she That's... was. And oh, sorry. Sorry to misgender you, bartender who doesn't know how to make a Manhattan. Well, it's like I was sitting there forever and like multiple people like came up and like basically cut in front of me, which was whatever. I meant wasn't being the most assertive. But by the time I did, she was a super nice. But then like she gave me this Manhattan that I swear was just like bourbon. <laughs> So, like, what else goes in a Manhattan? I don't remember vermouth. It, it's yeah, I was so I know it's it's bourbon, it's vermouth, it's I mean really it's bourbon and vermouth. If you're fancy, like we are here at the Kaufman Aurelius household, you get a muddled cherry. You well, a Manhattan should always come with a cherry, but it's it's um, bourbon. Well, she gave me that good bourbon, vermouth, and a cherry. Um, with some, you, you mix it in a, in a glass with ice, you stir it, um, and you put bitters in it. Bitters. Um, so the one you're drinking, I'm actually pretty sure you're drinking the exact same Manhattan John made on our very first episode. Oh, okay. But it's a dark chocolate Aztec bitter or something, or Aztec chocolate bitters or something. Hopefully that, 
like thing of bitters last this whole season. Uh, yeah, it's a good Manhattan. Um, John's can learn parents. Learn brand name so we can give them a you know a shout out if they pay us. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, no, the the bourbon you're drinking is wild turkey. Yeah. Um, and the cherries are like really nice cherries that John's parents bought us at Christmas, which is why we bought nice bourbon <laughs> and bitters to make nice is Manhattans. That why you, were, you were like. I just want some wild turkey. <laughs> and so I'm looking through your like liquor cabinet thing and like I grabbed the first thing that looks like bourbon. I'm like, no wild turkey. That's been, that was the benchmark. <laughs> yeah, benchmark. That's what we do shots with. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cause it's cheap. So what so we, that, that gets it what I was saying. What are you drinking? Uh I am drinking just wild turkey on the rocks. It's okay. a wild turkey rye, so just bourbon on the rocks. Um raw whiskey. Hmm? Raw whiskey. Raw whiskey. Um, you know, I'm a good old Kentucky boy. Uh, no, I'm a good old Louisville boy. Um, but without like the, like a Louisville boy is still a Kentucky boy, but without the racism. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, that's what I'm drinking and I'm really happy about it. It's been a minute since I've had... Basically, we typically only buy really nice bourbon when we have other nice ingredients. We have other nice ingredients to make nice drinks, or just when we have family over, we'll buy like Angel's Envy or she's a chef. Uh, she's a chef. Oh, John's a chef. Yeah. She is. Um, John is not a chef, but he is a very very good cook. Where is he? Um, I don't think he would ever survive in a restaurant environment. He's too messy while he cooks. Um, Can you imagine like John with. Gordon Ramsay. Oh my god. See, this is the thing. The food would come out. Like, Gordon Ramsay would be so happy with the food that comes out. How did you get here? But, but he'd be, (laughs) Gordon Ramsay would be so angry about, like, John's, like, station. And I am too. Like, I'm so, whenever we have dinner. I would live more for, like, their conversation. Like, what hmm. they would have to say to each other. Just when they're not actually cooking. What would Gordon Ramsay say to John? And what would John say back? What a great question. Let's get really famous. Meet Gordon Ramsay. Introduce them. Find out. Go to a... Is it Michelin or Goodyear? Which one sponsors the, like... Those are tires. Yes, but one of the tire names is the same as... Oh, you're right. It's Michelin. It's Michelin. Is it Michelin? Yeah. Like five star I thought you were asking what the name of Gordon Ramsay's restaurant was, and I was like, Uh, it's neither Michelin nor Goodyear. It's a tire thing restaurant. Everything, Everything is rubber. It's served on an open-faced tire. <laughs> What's that? Is that like necklace? Necklace? No, necklace. You know, like you know what necklacing is? No. It's horrible. It's when you. So I learned it from the TV show The Americans, one of the best TV shows ever. Shout out. Um, they take a tire, like a big fucking tire, like you would use for a tire swing, but instead of a tire swing, they put it around you. So you're like stuck in the tire and then they light that fucker on fucking fire. That's how you die. It's it's like a, like a crucifixion kind of thing. Kind of. It's horrifying. It's called necklacing. They did it, um, a lot somewhere in the Middle East, I think. Not During in the Buffy. Cold War. It does not happen on Buffy. It does happen on the Americans. Um, I don't know anything about that show. Oh, it's so good. It's not what we're here to talk about, though. Okay. What show uh, are we here to We talk are here about? to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so this is Teacher's Pet, episode yes. four of season one. Also episode four. Just yeah, of the show. Great. 
Um, this is the one where their substitute biology teacher is a fucking praying mantis who wants to kill virgins. So, we normally talk about our general takeaways and feelings about episodes at the end, but... Yeah, I wanted to, I want to talk about it first. Yeah. I don't uh, like this episode. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I like parts of the episode. Okay. I, uh, I mentioned earlier off camera, off microphone that even episodes of Buffy that I don't like, I typically can find redeeming qualities. And this one's no exception. There are things I do really like about the episode, but I generally, I find that this episode, it, I think this episode actually succeeds in doing a lot of what it sets out to do. Um, I think it's failure comes from concept. I think this episode is actually better than, its concept should be. Okay. Um, but I think the giant praying mantis lady is stupid. I get just from the get go, especially with kind of like those. There's like multiple villains in this episode. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. the The secondary villain of the vampire Freddy with Kruger the yeah, that also sucks. And it's there's like they even like dive into the lore. They're like he's a vampire that like cut off his own hand because he was or the ma- the master cut off his hand or whatever. Yeah. But it's but like why go into that if you're just gonna? I, I it's very. He's very. To me, the the vampire with the claw hand, the fork hand, they they even the episode seems to not even take it seriously because they keep referring to it as a fork. And when she's like dealing with him, she's like, "Come on, motherfucker!" Right? Tell and she me where she's at. He's supposedly like so famous that she kills him so quickly. And not that I don't think Buffy, but he she, also break. Oh, maybe I'm skipping too far ahead. Yeah, it's like, fine. Whenever she has him like tied up. He has a knife for a hand, bitch. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, the, the, that made no sense. Yeah, it's a weird. He exists to help them find her. Okay. And yeah. it feels unnecessary. Yeah. Like you know, it feels extra. It feels like a time filler. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, let's let's just let's just start at the beginning. Um, I don't have any fun, uh, commentary facts because there, as far as I could tell on the DVD, there was not a commentary for this episode, but that's okay because I didn't need to watch this episode twice. To know that you didn't like it. I mean, I've watched it so many times. Oh, so actually, we'll start. I teased this a bit in the intro, um, about how I tried to... Um, oh yeah, okay, you tried to seduce somebody to this episode. I mean, I didn't try to seduce him to this episode. I, was, I wasn't I was like, oh, let's You'd watch. already seduced him, this was the Netflix and show. So, this was years ago when I was 19. No, I was... I was 18 or 19, I was pretty young. I was, it was, I was probably on my first rewatch of Buffy. Yeah. Um, uh, this is about my 9th or 10th or morth. Um, Morth. Um, I think this was the second... I had watched the series and I had fallen in love with it. And this was the second time I was watching through it. And um, there was this guy I liked who, coincidentally, his name was John. Um, uh, He's not my current husband. He's just a guy that I, I knew in high school and in my early 20s. 
And I was like, hey, come over. Let's hang out. Let's watch Buffy. And I definitely pulled, like, the Netflix and chill. Yeah. But then when he showed up at my house, I was like, here's the Buffy episode we're watching. And I was just the next one that I was on in my watch through, which was this one. And he was probably, I'm sure he was like, what the fuck? Probably like, oh, we're actually watching Buffy. And I didn't even pick a good episode to watch. Well, that explains where that went. Um, no, I like. There was another time that <laughs> you're like, it totally worked for me. It was fine. No, that not that night. He left immediately. <laughs> but another time, I made out with him at my brother's house while I was house sitting. And then another time after that, we hooked up at this at my coworker's apartment after we had all gone out for drinks. But then never again. But Buffy didn't help you with anything. Buffy did not help me with any of that. I had a huge crush on this guy when I was in high school. Fair. Anywho, um, that has nothing to do with this episode other than one time I watched it with him. So it starts out, and they're in biology class. Biology class is biology a, slash chemistry from the last episode. It's the same teacher. Yeah. But he's definitely teaching biology this time. They're talking about ants. She's like biology one hundred and four. Or, like, Biology 400? 109. That's what it was. And you were so... You were really close. Because you were, like... Oh, no, they I were talking about that one. They were talking about ants. And you were, like, oh, the monster in this episode is a giant ant. And I literally was sitting there, like, oh, you're, like... You're <laughs> wrong. But you are so on the right path. Um, so, so, yeah. Well, she's, like, they communicate by... Touch and B.O. Because <laughs> Willow's doing... Honestly, Willow's doing a good job at, at the miming. Picks up and he's like, what's Willow's last name? Rosenberg. He's like, would you like to get any more answers from Miss Rosenberg? He doesn't even look at Willow. He knows exactly what's happening. He's a good teacher. Yeah. He knows what's going on he's in his classroom. Um, afterwards, he calls Buffy up and he... At first, it seems like he's going to be another teacher who's really hard on Buffy and's calling her out. But then he turns it around. And he's, he's like chaotic neutral. He's like, I love Doctor Gregory in the like two minutes we spend with him. Mm-hmm. He is so like yes, he is like oh you're I saw your your permanent record. I know I, you did wrong, but I expect better from you. Yeah, and challenge accepted. And she does. She is so... And he says, like, you're smart. You think on your feet. He recognizes, even though, like, he's being told these negative things about Buffy, she burned down her last school, or the gym. Um, She's like, there were extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sure there were. And then he's like, I don't care, though. And I love the way he talks to her. He talks to her like she's an adult. He he treats her like an equal. He tells her, "I get it. You've done bad in the past. You've you've you have a history." And then he tells her, he and he says it, it comes across kind of snide, and she interprets it. He's like, "I can't wait to see what you're gonna do here." And she's like, "Yeah, I know. I'm gonna destroy things." And he's like, "I bet it's gonna be great." And I I really do love the scene. I, I I've already been like I'm down on this episode, but this scene is really good because this teacher. He recognizes the strengths that Buffy has. He recognizes that she's struggled in the past. But he says, like, I believe in you. I, um, like, I do think you are smart. I do think you're worthy. I think, he's like, I'm going to be hard on you. I'm going to challenge you. Hard on you. But, boo, gross. Um, 
He's gonna. Cha- he's like, I'm gonna challenge you. I'm going to push you because I know you can do it. And I just, I really like that. I think, it, and you can see it has a really immediate effect on Buffy. A teacher believes in her, and not to get all like PSA, but listen, we here in Kentucky have a governor. Yeah. Who is so fucking anti-teacher. It makes me so angry. First yeah. of all, I'm generally pro-teacher, but also my mother-in-law is a teacher. Yeah. She's a fucking saint. Shout out, Vicky. Love you. Also, Bevan's an mm. ass twat. He is an ass twat. I don't and know what that would be. But... It, within this two-minute conversation with Buffy, you already see it. it has such a huge effect on her that a teacher believes that she can excel. And it matters to her. And she wants to excel. And we see that throughout the episode. She, we, and we, we laughed earlier. She's like, she did the homework. But she did her homework. And it, yeah. it was successful. So I don't like this episode. I love this scene between Puffy and Dr. Gregory. And I actually am frustrated they killed Dr. Gregory so quickly. It yeah, would, that's he would have been like a wise person. To right? Them. I think he could have been a good mentor for Buffy. I mean, we already have Giles as a mentor for Buffy. Daddy issues is maybe another theme for so. But well, the thing with Giles is Giles and Buffy were forced together. He was assigned to her. She's the Slayer. He's the Watcher. Right, and he, he kind of takes his job more seriously. Now. He, yeah. You know, he has to mentor Buffy. Dr. Gregory came across as a guy who wanted to. Yeah. And so I, I was I was saddened to see Dr. Gregory die before the credits rolled. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I wrote in my notes, bye Dr. Gregory, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do I I He's presumably also a virgin. So Presumably. Um, He's unless the only one who gets decapitated. Maybe she didn't mate with him. Maybe she just killed him. Well, that's what I think the inter- I, I you know I was thinking about this during the episode is maybe he was a virgin and she did mate with him, but his the, his death doesn't match what she does with the other guys. Yeah, she doesn't like keep him in captivity, right? Like, do all so shit. potentially there is potentially it's ambiguous whether she killed him to mate with him or that she just killed him also- to get to. I'm gonna sound really gross saying this: the virgin high school boys. I mean. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. She. Uh, I don't know. He is also like not a part of the whole process, right? Yeah. It's very. It's very. It's not clear how what his what purpose his death serves. It clearly serves some purpose. For, to either her. to get her. Yeah. Yeah. To her, either to get her into the classroom where she has easier access to her prey, or if he was just the first mm-hmm. of her victims. Um, and actually, so it's so funny. She kind of just sneaks up behind him. There's no, like, pretext to that. Right. Like there is with the other boys. With Xander and Blaine. Blaine. Um, Blaine. What a gay name. So we actually didn't even talk about this. We skipped to this. The episode does not actually start with this scene in their science class. It starts with, Bu- uh, not Buffy, uh, it starts with Xander's dream. Oh, yeah. Where 
Buffy's the damsel. She's in the sexy red dress yeah, and her hair is all... I was like, this is a dream sequence. She's hot as fuck and he's being heroic. Yeah. And I personally <laughs> find that that sequence gross. Oh, no. It's cheesy as fuck. It's, oh, no. I mean, like, I find Xander gross in this episode and also just kind of in general. The moral but, is the whole episode and I'm just going to jump the gun on this one. Yeah, go for it. It's just like sexualizing Xander a bit I think the the this story like takeaway if we're gonna do like the making a metaphor literal in a supernatural sense although it's not really a metaphor is the predatory teacher oh um yeah. but we'll get into that but it's there's we delve into Xander's sexuality we, this is a Xander heavy episode which yeah um, and Xander has a big crush on Buffy, and we see that manifest in his dream, but in his dream, Buffy is helpless. But even He's whenever, the hero. Whenever he's, like, trapped by her in her living room, and he's like, oh, I'm drunk, I love Buffy. Right? It's very, uh, his, his affection for Buffy does not manifest in a healthy way, I think. No. Um, and the, the way he diminishes her in his fantasy of her. You know, we and it's I get it. Like he wants to be the heroic. He's also a teenage boy, so like oh, yeah. Buffy be hot. Right. Like I'm not I'm not I, I will say so I'll just be I'm gonna preamble. Also I feel like they play down how hot Buffy is. Buffy's They're hot. Like she's a new girl, so she can't be really hot. But like every episode she's wearing like mini skirts and thigh high boots. Mm-hmm. And like a midriff sweater. Yeah. Vest. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? I will preface what I'm going to say about Xander with, I recognize that Xander is a teenage boy. Yeah. But I will, I'm going to call Xander's teenage boy bullshit. Okay. Because I know he can do better. Fair. So I'll just say that. I, I find his fantasy of, of Buffy diminished, weak. I find that, I don't like that. I find that very gross. I find that very... I'm not going to say the patriarchy, but I am going to say the patriarchy, and I'm going to say how we raise our boys, not great. That's all I got. I love the end of the dream sequence where Xander is at his most heroic. And he, like, stabs a dude. And, yeah, and, and Buffy's like... He throws the stake. He throws it. Does not hit the heart at all. But it's, it's a dream like, sequence. It's like in the sea, stomach. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you killed him. But at the end, Buffy is like, she goes up to him and she's like, Xander, you're drooling. That was and it cuts out of the dream and real Buffy's like, Xander, you're drooling. That's like those so I do- uh, PTSD commercials for like veterans where like he's in like a battle, you know, war front kind of thing. He's crushed under a bunch of shit. And then all of a sudden, like, his, his comrade is, you know, like, up in his face. Like, you're not gonna die on me, motherfucker! And then he just, like, licks him. <laughs> what? And he's, like, licking his face. Oh, and it's like, when he comes to it's like and his he dog. He comes to his dog. Aw, that's nice. Is that, like, for, like, service dogs? Yeah, yeah. Aww. It's, it's a similar, like... <laughs> yeah, like the cut out of a dream where, like, the real world is seeping in. But I like that. And I liked that moment where Xander's bullshit mask, toxic masculinity bravado comes in and, like, Buffy cuts in. And the real Buffy is like, you're drooling. <laughs> um, 
So then all that happens with Dr. Gregory, and then poor Dr. Gregory's Dr. Dettery. The, yeah. Um, so we go to the bronze. Is that where we are next? Yeah. And Super Fine is playing, and they're about as 90s as 90s can 90s. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> I do like Super Fine, this is but one of the um, '90s outfits that I clocked in the like dance scenes, whenever like Xander is kind of like moving his way through the crowd, there's a dude with like a cheetah print, um, uh, a cheetah print like tank top. Gross. Yeah. I one time when I worked at Kroger, I saw there's this... lots of like bad horizontal stripes. So many throughout this whole episode. Uh, Xander has a really bad one that's white, green, brown, and like yellow, and it's like. But he whoa. also has the like another one. It's like a sweater with horizontal stripes, but like you drape that on a person, and it's like zigzag W. It's not good. But um, it's uh like Clark Kent colors. It's very Superman-y. He was giving me some like. Superman vibes today with his front part. His tuft. Yeah. Um, so we, we ran into Angel at the bronze and Angel gives Buffy his jacket that's yeah. way too big for her. She mentioned that. And he's wearing nothing. But a like wife beater. Uh, yeah, he's got a white tank on. I hate the phrase wife beater. Sorry. It's gross. He's got a wife He's, He's got a white tank on, and it is hot. Well, and also, that was the moment where I just looked at you and I was like, I'm trying to figure out whether or not Angel's like a vampire, or like a and vampire he, hunter, or like whatever the fuck he is, and I looked at you and I was like, he's an angel. You think Angel's an angel? Yes. Clever. That's like there's. It's not even his name. It's just his title. His title. Hello, I'm Angel, and I'm the Angel. Yes. <laughs> I, that's that's my assumption. What if it's both? I mean, what if it is both? What if he's an angel whose and name is Angel? Hunter? Like, huh? Oh. Like, like his an name angel is Angel. Name is Angel, and he's Angel. So Maybe. Angel gives her some cryptic clues about a guy with a fork. And this is, we talked about this, this is where... Yeah, I feel like she was joking about whatever he said, and then, like, they evolved to this fork bit. Yeah, and it's, I think it is supposed to be a joke, like, Buffy, he has three, like, a claw mark, and she's like... She's like, was this a fork? And he's like, yes. Like, but yeah, it's supposed to be a joke, but it does not, it's not funny, I think is the problem. It's not. It's just a dumb bit with a fork. But they keep saying, and it's like, we're supposed to think that this is a fearsome vampire, but they keep calling him Fork Guy. Mm. Um, Xander is not that happy. Tells me that they're going to defeat him. Right. I'm like, well, it's He's very unnecessary. Xander is unhappy to see Angel. He's like, he sees Angel for the first time, and he's well, like, he's like, oh, he's I've hot. been laid. How many times have you been laid? I'm going to go hug these two girls. Yeah. And he's like... Go with it, chicks. And Willow's like, okay, of course. And Buffy's like, what's going on? And that's when she finds it. Yeah. And it's weird. It's gross. It's bleh. Um, in our next scene, we meet Natalie French. And Xander is wearing a brown imitation velvet shirt. 
it's disgusting. It yes, it looks like it should have been upholstered. Like from like Pier One in like like ninety seven. I literally, as we were watching the episode, I turned to Tyler and I was like, "Is that suede? Is it like what is that fabric? It is repulsive." <laughs> you were like, "Is it suede?" I said, "It's." It is so nasty. And I know I had a shirt just like it's it. It's like, like knit. I don't even know what gross. it is. It's gross. It's awful. He's I wearing it. I can feel it. it. <laughs> yes, I can feel it. I know the texture. I saw it and I immediately knew what it felt like. Um, Natalie French shows up. She's wearing a mini skirt. She's like, all the boys are like, ooh. And the music's like, oh my no. It's like the fucking George Lopez show opening theme. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Little higher. Um, she's like Xander. She doesn't know his name, but she's like, hello, boy, who is a virgin. Tell me where this science classroom is. And he's like, oh, I don't know, even though I have that class. And he looks to Buffy and Willow to help him. And Buffy and Willow are like, nah, we're not going to help you. Which I love. That's a great moment. Then Blaine, the bully, shows up. He's the one who's been making all sorts of creepy comments towards Buffy the whole episode. Yeah. And, like, he's been shitty to Xander. And, like, listen, I love being shitty to Xander, but... I'm still not there yet. I just... I find Xander in this episode kind of gross. Well, yeah. It's behavior, but, like... Yeah. He... Blaine shows Natalie French to the classroom, and Sandra's like, oh, dang it, I wanted to. (laughs) So then we get into the least subtle science class ever, where she's like, I'm your substitute teacher. Let's talk about praying mantises. I fucking love praying mantises. (laughs) And, like, we were in the scene, and Tyler, you were... Immediately, like, she's a praying mantis. <laughs> like, like, as she was, like, getting all horny for him. Yeah. Um, she's like, and the female of the species are far superior. It's, it's, honestly, it's very similar to Witch, where we have the scene in front of the trophy case where Amy's like, my mom was the best. Here's all the things I love about my mom that retroactively you're like oh she's talking about herself it's done extremely well in which in in teacher's pet it's like i love praying mantises because i am a praying mantis yeah Um, (laughs) Mm. so we go to lunch uh oh my god actually i'm just gonna read this Off off the wiki because it just says um, the substitute biology teacher, Natalie French, shows up and turns every boy's head. She seems to have a thing about insects, especially the praying mantis. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know everything you need to know about her. The boys are into her, and she loves praying mantises. Uh, we get to lunchtime. They're talk- Xander and Blaine are like, oh, we love her. She invited us to help her after school for the science fair. And then Cordy shows up. Cordelia's like, I'm just going to read my note verbatim. Cordy, or I said Cordelia, Cordelia, and then all in caps, has a motherfucking medically prescribed lunch. <laughs> she goes in, she's bullying the lunch lady. She's like, I'm here to pick up my medically prescribed lunch. My doctor did it. <laughs> she's like, I'll only be here as long as I can stand the smell. Which is... <laughs> Perhaps Brood. dead body in the fridge? Well, I think she's implying that the school lunches smell like shit. 
Okay. They were eating hot dog surprise. Ew, that's an upsetting sentence. That's just like refried beans and hot dogs. I think so. Still upsetting. It looked like it. It looked like it. Cordy opens the freezer and, uh uh-oh, there's Dr. Gregory, Sans head. And Cordelia's freaking out. No one is happy. No one's having a good time right now. So... They, like, freeze in front of the freezer for, like, an uncomfortably long They're there for a while. They're like, like, Cordelia's, like, shivering in the background, like, cowering, and they're like, Oh, no! It's Dr. Gregory! Where's Dr. Gregory's head? And they kind of just, like, stage freeze while, like, she's, like, freaking out behind Yeah. Them. There's been a couple of those recently. Like... Like, the editing is not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll just just pre- preface this with, like, we're still in the early seasons. Yeah. Um, so, so, so far we've got a... The substitute teacher who's definitely not a praying mantis <laughs> and fork vampire... Uh, so the gang's in the library. They are like, it's one of these two monsters. And Xander's all like, two monsters? And Bubby's like, yeah. Hellmouth. There's lots of monsters. Yeah, there's... There's a uh, lot of exposition. his problem with the episode is my problem with the episode. Like, two monsters is exactly what I said. Mm, it's not that logically there can't be two monsters. It's, it's just that the, the two like, monsters don't, don't work in this episode together. No, not really. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate that they take a moment to remind you, like, there are monsters here. Like, that's going to be a th- recurring thing. There's yeah. a bit of exposition, presumably for viewers who this is the first time they're watching. Um... There was a little bit of that in Witch as well, but not really not as much. But you find in shows, especially shows that existed before streaming, before DVR and all that, yeah. that the first several episodes are going to have exposition of what the show is about. More heavily. Um, for, for the people who their first episode is actually <clears throat> the fourth episode of the show. Next up, we'll make this podcast even gayer than it already is. What folk have words where we learn that again? Yes. What is on the gay agenda for today? Alright, it's time for my favorite part of the episode. The gay agenda. Harrison, for Teacher's Pet, mm-hmm. what would you say is a moment that you can endorse with all of your homosexuality? I I want to talk about Blaine. Closet case. Closet kind case. Of projection, like, I think so. He's okay. very like, oh, I'm a, I'm a man, man. I play football. I'm a dad's lawyer. And if you if you tell anyone I'm a virgin, I'm gonna sue you. And I'm just like, gay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So it's interesting that you say that because I have a similar moment oh. that I think is pretty gay. Um, I think Xander is giving closet case vibes. Oh, really? Through this whole one. Okay. Um, yeah. Because it's, I mean, like, his, it presents as very hetero. Um, Honestly. Like he's obviously interested in the teacher. Yeah. It's a lot of the same things that we see out of Blaine. They show yeah. a lot of the same characteristics. Very much so. And this has a lot of the, like, kind of gross and toxic characteristics that mm-hmm. I think you don't like from Xander very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know. I, especially whenever, and this maybe gets into more of the symbolism of it. But especially whenever, like, she is preying on him 
And he starts to pick up that, like, maybe she's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, being very resistant. Like, she's being nothing but, like, attractive and, like, seductive to him. And he kind of wants nothing to do yeah. with it. After a point. like once he After he drugs her. Or she drugs him. Well, that... <laughs> That whole scene, basically. And then also maybe just, like, the symbolism of, like, this is not what you wanted. Like, you thought you wanted this. Um, Or, like, getting in over your head. Mm -hmm. And going too far. That kind of thing. I thought that was kind of a just relatable gay moment. Okay. Um, Yeah. Or just, like, I don't know. Thinking... Thinking you're into something and then being like, ah, you're a scary monster. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with that. I feel like that's. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the moment I endorse. Alright, would you like to move on to our next portion of this segment? Yes. Alrighty. So, we've already kind of talked about the She Mantis and how th- this is one of the most dated. Um, effects in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because of this, it brings us to our next definition. This is a noun. It's called, it's a place, it's a proper noun. It's called Party City. Oh, I know Party City. Yeah, why? Buy party supplies there. Yeah, like, what else can you buy there? Party, party supplies. supplies, like, you know, paper plates, napkins. Yeah. Balloons. Balloons. What about, like, seasonal stuff? You know, you can get, like, you get Christmas decorations. Uh, Christmas decorations, costumes. But it's also, like, a discount store. That's like, true. You can buy things in bulk. And so this leads me to our definition. Party City is obviously a chain of discount party supply stores located across the U.S., which specializes, mind you, in Halloween costumes. Ah. Mm-hmm. This, so, historically, throughout Drag Race... Um, this term has been used to describe a queen's fashion, which is considered to appear as if it were meant to be worn as a Halloween costume, or was purchased at a Halloween costume shop. Generally, so it's a burn. It's a burn, and it means more specifically that it's it's cheap. Um, this was, can be traced back in Drag Race to uh, Fifi O'Hara talking about Sharon Needles, a spooky queen. And saying, go back to Party City where you belong. <gasps> yeah. So, like, obviously their styles are different. She's glamour and the other one's kind of spooky. And Sharon Needles, like... But... Um, in this, we could use that same insult from Fifi O'Hara. We could say that the She-Mantis needs to go back to Party City where she belongs. Agreed. Especially when she's in her true form. You know? Yeah. I think as a lady, she looks very nice. Yeah, no. But as a she-mantis. serving Party City whenever she's a human. Yeah. But the mantis in particular needs to go back to Party City. It looks cheap. I wasn't sure if it was like a visual effect or a, what do you call it? Practical effect. Practical effect. You seem pretty set that it's practical. Yeah. Which I think strengthens my argument. It looks cheap. It looks like it's from, you know, Halloween chain store. Mm-hmm. And take that shit back. Deserve a refund. Thank you, Party City. <laughs> so they work out that she's probably a praying mantis. Um, oh, Are we Buffy. Recording again? Yeah, we're recording. 
So she's a praying mantis. She's praying. Buffy sees her head turn all the fucking way around. Because yeah. Buffy's late for class. Okay, because she has to go to counseling. She has to go to counseling, which I'm pretty sure this scene only exists for this moment. But... She's sitting outside the counselor's room, and the counselor leaves the door wide fucking open because great counselor, I Which guess. Is not HIPAA <laughs> compliant, but whatever. <laughs> and we hear Cordelia's counseling session, which goes as Cordelia as possible. She is talking about how it was horrible. She saw Dr. Gregory's decapitated corpse. She's traumatized, all of which we're like. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And then she's like, I haven't been able to eat for days. I think I've lost like seven ounces. And then she then she starts going on how... how she measures her weight in ounces. In ounces. First of all. And she is totally like, like, you know, this has helped me lose weight. And she's like, you know, I'm... Verbatim, she's like, I'm not saying we should kill a teacher every day so I can lose weight, but here's the silver lining. Even like even used Mercedes have leather seats. And, and Buffy's face. Does she say that? So, she says something along those lines. Like and Buffy's face because we're we're focusing on Buffy's face as we're hearing Cordelia say this, and Buffy's face is just I cannot believe that yeah. this bitch is saying this shit <laughs> after finding her teacher's goddamn decapitated corpse. Oh, it's God. it's hilarious. It is one of my favorite parts of the episode is is Cordelia's. Hey. It's the only other than finding the body and this monologue. It's all we see of Cordelia in this episode. Fine with that. Go bigger girl. But God damn, it's one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> um, so then she gets to class where Miss French is being super creepy to Xander. She's like, I think you meant pollination on that one. And it's like, you're a teacher. You're not supposed to go around during the test and tell the kids the answers. They flash back to one of those moments later. Yeah, and... Buffy's, like, watching through the window of the classroom, and Natalie, I guess, smells her, and her head does the, quote-unquote, full-on exorcist twist. Yeah, we didn't realize what that was until that moment. Was in the opening or something? The DVD on the menu, when you hit play, the first season DVDs... This is full-on exorcist Yeah, because the first season DVDs have the awkward, like, here's a quote from the episode when you hit play. It's annoying. Um, I actually knew when when you were like, what's that referring to? And I was like, I don't know. I actually knew exactly what it was referring to. Bullshit, you did. So many times when I say I don't know, I'm just lying to avoid spoilers. Okay. That's why when you were like, she's a praying mantis, I was like, huh, what an interesting theory. And when you were like, angel's an angel, I was like, huh. What an interesting theory. You didn't have to give that one away. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so neutral. Um so I don't know, like nothing specific triggered the angel one though. It was literally just like him looking hot and I was like, <laughs> Oh he's an angel. He's he's, he's hot. Angels are hot. Yeah. He's an angel. Like, we were watching Sex Education earlier, and she was like, why is black Jesus hotter than our Jesus? No. <laughs> but, for real. He's like, well, I don't know, a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> uh, watch Sex Education on Netflix if you haven't. It's so good. It's British. 
Turn on the subtitles. Um, so Xander goes to Miss French's office where she's like eating crickets. And with he, mayonnaise. With mayonnaise. What a gross woman. sandwich. Nah. And he's like, she's like, oh no, Xander. Because she has a South African accent. <laughs> I forgot the stuff. Her name's also Musetta in real life. Oh, the actress? Yeah, Did you look at... Yeah, which is like... Music? Like La Boheme. La Bo- oh, yeah, Musetta. Musetta's Waltz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, Rand. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Rand. I got actually, me through I, Lit 2 in music school. I didn't actually know anything about La Boheme, but... Seriously? No. Yeah. But I was like, okay, Marco, Mark, cool, Roberto... Okay, we got it. Wow. Musetta, Mimi... No, Musetta is Maureen. Whatever. Musetta, Maureen, Mimi, Mimi. Is the, Mimi is just... Me. Yeah, Mimi's Mimi. That, that character's name doesn't change. That name is timeless. So, she's all like, Hey, Xander, I forgot that all the materials for what we were doing at my house. We come to, to my house tonight. Mm. So, he's like, Y'all come to your house tonight. Buffy, Willow, and Giles are all doing this research, and Giles is like, hey, I know someone who maybe encountered this type of monster before. What was the, the, and he's, like, insane now. There are two areas of study where, like... Mm. Uh, There's etymology. So, like... Bugs. Which is the study of insects, and, um... Fuck, it's, uh... It's whatever it is, it's the study of fairy tales. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, your friend who specifically studied those two things. Also is in a straight jacket. Cool. Um, so they, they basically figure out that Natalie is this shape-shifting giant praying mantis who feeds on virgin men to procreate. Okay. And Buffy's like, oh, well then Xander's definitely safe. He's definitely not a virgin. That's a good cutoff moment with Willow. Willow, yeah, she Buffy's like Xander's certainly safe. He's definitely not a virgin, and Willow's like Xander's gonna die. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, well, he's definitely going to say safe, but she cuts her off. She's like gonna die <laughs> um, which is really funny um, Willow finds out that Xander never went home the kid the other guy Blaine also never went home the night before and she they was find him in the like obituaries or something no they she's looking in the school records and she finds out that her his mother had called the school because he had never come home the night before okay so, and he was the one who was supposed to meet with the teacher before. So they were like, okay, we, dead, but... we've got a pattern. We know it's her. Willow, like, hacks into the school computers. Why the fuck a school secretary in 1992 would put that shit into a computer as opposed to, like, attendance or, like, anything else <laughs> is beyond me. It's weird. I say that because, like, my mom was a school secretary in 1992, so... This is 1997. Whatever. What was your mom doing in 1997? Actually that. Okay. (laughs) So... But I'm just like, why the fuck would they be using a computer for this? (laughs) Over at Miss French's house... Miss French. um, Xander shows up, and my notes are martinis, mood lighting, music, and boobs! 
Booey. This is not appropriate. Like, like, just like we have like like sexual predator warning videos so, in school now, right? And this is one but of the he things. Didn't get one of those. Apparently, the he shows up at his teacher's house. She's wearing a the most cleavagey dress she can. She's like, "Here, do you want a martini or what?" Seventeen, and he's like, "Okay." Which she's we is wearing like a bra with some fabric, right? Which we and the show has justified this though. We know that she is emitting pheromones that are that is. Fucking with, fucking with his brain, so he's. But it's still like. But he also it's, has that moment of clarity where he's like drunk or whatever. After well, she's drugged him, presumably. And he's like, but I love Buffy. And it's yeah, and it's just super predatory. It's so gross. And actually, it is one of the things I like about this episode. I think the concept of the episode fails, but the theme of the episode is predatory teachers. I think, mm. and. I I do think it's I like the fact that they address. I don't know if that's the theme. I think I mean I think that's what they were going for was that she's it's the the sexual predators that teachers not that teachers are do not want to imply that teachers are sexual predators, but often <laughs> earlier we're like I'm pro teacher I am pro I teacher I I hate Matt Bevan, but <laughs> but that is not to say that sexual predators have not often become teachers because to to do that it's it's horrible but it is something that happens and i do like the fact that the episode addresses that not only like can this happen but women can be we often romanticize the female teacher who seduces the young man hey mrs robinson the mrs robinson exactly it's to you. Gr- it's gross. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. And here's this to you. Sometimes Mrs. He, Robinson, here's to you. But not here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. You're gross. <laughs> um we never... s- we see that she's a predator. We and I think Willow at one point calls set refers to her as a predator, and then they're like, it's the shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. But... yeah. <laughs> and it is. She is the first character with shoulder pads. Um so yeah, so the whole the whole scene with them, she's drugging him with this martini. She puts him in a cage, uh, which during in our last episode when we talked about this episode, you were like, "Teacher's pet, there there's gonna be like a Silence of the Lamb situation," and there kind of was. I was like on the mark. On you that were one. pretty close. Like no one needed to put the lotion on its skin. But she was gonna like you know lay her babies in his decapitated neck. So. Ew, gross. But also Similar. true. Um. So Buffy does her homework. They figured it out. They're like, she's like, I'll show you. I'm gonna learn about books. I'm gonna learn about bugs. She's like, Willow, do this. Xander, do this. I'm gonna go do research. She walks into like the deeper recesses of the library that we never see. And then she immediately comes back and she's like, where's the books about bugs? <laughs> um, but one of the things she learns is that praying mantises are susceptible to bat sonar. It fucks up their nervous system. Okay. Um, so they've got a plan. They record some bat sonar. They Willow has found out where Natalie French, the substitute teacher, lives. Uh, they've got weapons. They're on it. They show up at Natalie French's house. They... 
Buffy's about to knock down the door. And then the cutest old lady opens (laughs) the door. She's like, I thought I heard someone out here. She's adorable. She's about to, like, Chuck Norris kick the door in. She totally is before this woman opens. She's like, reeled her leg back, (laughs) ready to just, like, that was hot. Thanks. Um, she, but you're right. She's like, she totally is like, oh shit, I was not about to break down your door. And the real Natalie French, who's like a million, is just like, she's like, oh, we're looking for Natalie French. She's like, that's me. And we're like, she's like the substitute biology teacher. And she's like, yep, you found her. So we find out that our praying mantis is, has an identity thief, an identity thief. And Buffy's, like, putting this together. She's like, oh, my gosh. She's taken on this identity. We have to find her. And the real Natalie French is like, I'm right here, darling. I love real Natalie French. I think she's the most precious person on this planet. Um, so, So here's where the subplot of the fork vampire becomes important. Right, they're like, how do we find her? Let's find the fork vampire. Let's go find a bloodhound. Because earlier in the episode, she had witnessed the fork vampire try to attack Natalie French. And then, like, immediately was like, I want to get away from you. So they're like, oh, he's okay, afraid of I her. Know is, like, in that moment, he was going to murder her. Yeah. Until he saw her. Yeah. And then whenever she's, like, dragging him around like a bloodhound, like, find, find, find her, girl. Find him, you know? He doesn't have to see her to know where she's it's at. It's not good writing. Honestly, I'll just be honest. It's a, it's contrived. Okay. It's, I, I think, yeah, the idea is that he smelled her, but he should have been able to smell her before, before. Yeah. he saw her. It's... It's poorly done. And it's part of the reason I really don't like this episode is because this whole, like, we introduced this... villain. Yeah, it's weird. And and this other villain who is kind of built up to be important, major, like, one of the vampires. They go into lore with him. Maybe he'll come back and be, like, in their dreams. But Buffy... He's like a Freddy Krueger dude. Maybe. But she killed him. That might be one of my predictions. Okay. All right. So Buffy kills this vampire this after... 90s, late 80s, you know, fair. I did Freddy Krueger's... That was, that's iconic. I love you, Freddy Krueger. No, you don't. I do. Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favorite horror movies. Okay. Like, I mean, the sequels. <laughs> but Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favorite horror movies. I hate you. Why? Hate you. you love me. <laughs> best friends. Um, so we get to Buffy finds, the uh, she kills Fork Vampire, finds Natalie. Fork guy. Um, Xander and Blaine have been held captive. She's going to kill them. And she is awful. Like, special <laughs> effects wise, the, the praying mantis just looks terrible. It's 90s. It's very 90s. They try to keep it like in the shadows. They, they do keep it mostly in the smart. shadows, which is good. Yeah. I, I find the praying mantis most effective when the praying mantis is in the shadows. Um, they spray it with like bug spray. They play the bat sonar. Which is surprisingly effective. Yeah. I thought they would be like, yeah, I get this off spray. Or like, you know. Yeah, but it, wor- it appears to work at least a little. It blinds her. They play the, the video of the bat sonar, which turns out to be Giles' notes. Mm. Which is very funny. 
And Giles is like, switch the tape. And they do. That dates it a little bit. It dates it a little bit. Um, but they, you know, she kills it. Use moment. They, they kill the, the thing. Blaine is she like. suffers it limb for limb. Limb for limb. Blaine is all. I'm not a virgin. I'm not a virgin. No, no, no. My dad's a lawyer. I'll sue you if you say I'm a virgin. And we're just like, Blaine. Shut they up. give him a shut up moment. They do. They're definitely just like, whatever. No one actually cares about you. And Xander has a bit of a cathartic moment where he he destroys all the eggs. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a nice moment. Um, it's as heroic as he gets to be at this point. Exactly. We see a lot of flashes of him uh, like throughout the episode trying to be heroic, flashing back to his dream at the beginning of the episode. Um, and I, I do like the episode. Of, I, you know, I've been complaining that his I thought his dream very gross in the way it portrays Buffy. But I like that... It's from his perspective. It is from his perspective. I, don't, I, don't rec- I recognize that it's from his perspective. I'm not saying the show is gross. I'm saying Xander's gross in that moment. And I think the show recognizes... Oh, if Buffy were a dude, I wouldn't be like, oh, gross. I'd be like, yeah, Xander. <laughs> mm. I, I just don't like that Xander try, strips Buffy of her uh, of her own... Um, what redeeming qualities does Buffy have at this point? Aside uh, from that she's hot. I mean, she's resourceful. I think okay. it's the big one. Um, so far, we don't... <laughs> just like, defend your thesis. I know. So far, we, we don't know a lot about Buffy, but we have seen over and over... From his, th- at least from his perspective, I feel like she's hot. What else do we know about her? Um, but he I think saved that's her life. his she, own. She pro- saved his life. Yeah. So Both I just lives. think that Xander, in this moment, he gets to be heroic without diminishing Buffy's heroic. Okay. He's heroic uh, on his own terms, which he wants to be heroic, which I think is admirable. Yeah. But I don't think. But what I don't like he is he doesn't need to diminish her. He doesn't need to diminish her to be heroic, and he doesn't in that moment. He takes it upon himself to do to destroy the eggs. He and he's grateful to Buffy. I think, I think we see at the beginning of the episode a very immature version of vamp of Xander. Yeah. In the in the vampire dream sequence where he has to save her, mm. and in the end we see him mature a little. Where he, she still saves him. Yeah. But but he's not the damsel. The we, we, he rejects the. The concept of the damsel the entirely. That he was wearing, where it's like red, it's blue with like a yellow and red stripe. Mm-hmm. It's very Clark Kent. Yeah, like the heroic vibe. Yeah, from him is kind of a theme. I think so. For me, um, it's just, he seems to be the main character of this episode. Oh yeah, it's very Xander centric, where we are focused on Buffy's still the hero, but so I, we're I focused argue, on Xander. You were like the theme is like. Predatory teachers. I don't even think the villain has anything to do with the theme. The theme is mm-hmm. like, the theme is like, heroicism, un- unexpected heroicism. Okay. Yeah. Um, you see where I'm going? No, I do. And like Xander, Xander is heroic at the end. Or like, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Definitely, the there's some of that. The you the know? whole like, I want to have sex. And it all ties together. That that yeah. is the the predatory teacher is yeah that fits into the same. It's yeah. Um, you see what I'm coming from though? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. 
I don't know. The predatory teacher seemed a little specific for me to like nail it down as a theme. Well, honestly, I was going to say, I, I think like it's specific, but I do think it's, I think that's one of the flaws of the episode is it's too specific. It's, it's, it's a motive. Um, um, <laughs> they, we in the episode back in biology class. Yes. New teacher who does not seem to care too much about Buffy. He's like, here's your paper. It's 30% of your grade. Right. Yeah. Very. Um, he seems unimportant though, because we, as we end the episode, uh, Buffy picks up Dr. Gregory's glasses that he lost earlier before he died. She like commemorates him, makes a little shrine in the closet and closes that. Yeah. She's, um, it definitely seems like she is going to take something from Dr. Gregory, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Honor him. Closes the closet door where we pan to the hidden eggs. Oh, yes. That are hatching. So that makes me sad because it's not. I don't know. Just this. I mean, you said you already had your qualms with this episode. And my big thing was just like. I mean, I understand. Like, the last episode was witches, not vampires. But this one, I'm like. Buffy the Praying Mantis Slayer? Yeah. Like, what? No, that's not what it is. It's... Yeah. Buffy the Exterminator? <laughs> like, Buffy the what? Yeah. You know? It is not my favorite. It is... Maybe um, if the prank mantises were, like, kind of vampiric, I'd be... I would kind maybe. of buy it. It's just a... Yeah, I think it's a... I, honestly, I think it's a poor plot. I think... I think it's... Six, I think the episode has a lot of strengths. Um, but I think... Ultimately, the praying mantis, the giant praying mantis lady thing is stupid. Yeah. And the extra vampire with the fork hands is also stupid. So we've got two dumb plots that are on the forefront of this episode. It's not my favorite. I three forks. Yeah, it's... It's like less than Wolverine, right? I think Wolverine has... Four. One for each knuckle. One, there's three knuckles. One, because it's between each knuckle. Is it? I think so. I think Wolverine has three. But this guy is not Wolverine. I don't remember. He's pathetic. Okay. Um. So yeah, my takeaway from this episode, see my Is there like some Freddy Krueger nostalgia in that? No. Timing? No. Honestly, I didn't even think Freddy Krueger once while we were watching it, and I love Freddy Krueger. Okay. Um, I I find this, I think it's a weak episode. Um, but, but not without its merits. Um, mm-hmm. particularly Cordy, who's hilarious. Um, so looking forward, I, I know you've, you've made your prediction now that Angel is an angel. Yeah. Okay. I stick by that. You stick by that. What else? What are your other thoughts? Um, just moving forward. Well, since this episode was pretty centered on Xander... I feel like that is just going to develop more and more and more and more. The whole, like, love triangle. Mm. Between Xander Willow. Well, it's a square. Between Xander Willow, Buffy, and Angel. Because oh. Buffy's into Angel. Yeah, I guess I picked up on that a little less. Yeah. She's intrigued by him, but... Uh, yeah. At the I mean, end of the episode... They're bone, but whatever. He, at the end of the episode, he does something... I don't remember exactly, but he does, he is, like... I was worried about you, and he leaves, and she's like, uh-oh. Like, she she very... It was very much as she's into Angel. Yeah. I mean, he's... But Buffy's into her, and Willow's into Xander, and... 
So, okay. So, so just more into that love triangle square between these yeah, characters. Okay. That and I hope we have like an actual vampire plot. Okay. okay. That would be kind of nice to yeah. know if it with the name of the show. Um, beyond that, I'd say my big takeaways were kind of we're sexualizing high school students and I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. Mm, 90s. Yeah. So our next episode is called Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. What do you think about that? That just like skips straight from sexualizing high school students to murdering them. (laughs) But I mean I'm with that in mind I'm my prediction is already correct so you're welcome. (laughs) All right. Okay. That's great. So what about 90s moments? Did you have any? Um, I think... There were less clear ones for me. Yeah, I I think I mentioned them already. The band in the prawns. uh, With the metallic shirt. Superfying. Yes, the metallic shirt. Xander's horrifying brown sweater thing. Um... Yeah, those are my big 90s takeaways. Oh, when um, uh, Angel wears the, um, he has the leather jacket and he takes it off and he has the just like... The tank, tank the white tank. That was kind of 90s. Very 90s, very hot. Yes. Uh, But what about um, any... Just no like moments. I feel like Buffy and Cordelia normally have like really good outfits, and that wasn't really established any more than it normally. Does. Yeah, not a lot that stood out to me in this episode as far as outfits. Oh, go. There, there was one whenever Buffy's talking with the old science teacher that gets murdered, and she's in that scene. Doctor Gregory. Doctor Gregory. 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 Doctor Gregory. She's wearing like a sweater tank top vest thing with like a collar and that's it (laughs) and like a mini skirt or something and that i think that one probably takes the cake for me is a sweater vest yeah which is like three words phrases that i didn't really want to put together yeah giles stays conscious in this episode okay good Good for giles and what about music? There's the band. There's the band, but honestly, yeah, nothing too... nothing else stood out to me. I didn't like the band that much this time. There yeah. Was a lot of music otherwise. Very, very 90s. Um, yeah. And as far as character work goes, I think we talked a lot about it. It's very Xander heavy. Um, yeah. Buffy, Buffy, Xander or Buffy Giles and Willow got a little focus, but not much. It was really more Xander. Um, honestly, and that's the thing. I think this episode was. I think this episode missed a beat where it wasn't about Buffy and Doctor Gregory. Yeah, there was a relationship I was actually really excited about learning more about until he died, and then Cordelia's in a scene. <laughs> um, that was my favorite part. Yeah, that is my favorite part of the episode, too. She's good. What else do we have to talk about? I don't think... I don't I don't have a lot more to say. I think, I think that... That's good. Yeah.
Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. I'm Harrison, and you can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I'm Tyler, and you can follow me on all my social medias at TG Dipold. That's D-I-P-P-O-L-D. Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. In honor of our dearly departed Dr. Gregory, we'd like to present Donors Choose. Founded in 2000 by a high school teacher in the Bronx, DonorsChoose.org empowers public school teachers from across the country to request much-needed materials and experiences for their students. Right now, there are thousands of classroom requests that you can help bring to life with the gift of any amount. Visit DonorsChoose.org for more information. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Make sure you subscribe. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube, where I will release a short video with each episode called Spoiler Corner with Harrison, where I will talk about all the spoilery things that I can't say on the podcast. As always, slay and be gay.